Militarily Speaking, Episode 49, Project Sanctuary. This episode, we talk with Casey Taylor, Director of Family Support with Project Sanctuary. Welcome to Militarily Speaking, brought to you by Armed Forces Bank. This is Tom McLean and Jody Vickery. I'm the Regional Military Executive for Armed Forces Bank, and Jody is the Executive Vice President, Director of Military Consumer Lending, and other things. Dot, dot, dot. The dot, dot, dot. The dot, dot, dot's the favorite part of my job. And you spend more time on the dots. I know. It's very cool. Very yeah. cool. And you, But you always seem to connect the dots, Jody. Yeah, on Thursdays. So again, welcome to our show. We're excited to have you listening and learning about our guest, Casey, with Project Sanctuary. Casey, I just want to take a few minutes and share a little bit about you with our audience. Casey provides family support, case management, assists with resource summits, and provides resources and support at therapeutic retreats and works to restore hope and healing with each situation. She believes that providing support also includes demonstrating high levels of integrity and honesty, building on the foundation of fostering relationships and instilling trust, hope, connectivity, and healing. Casey has a bachelor's degree in social work and has maintained a license in social work since 2001. Additionally, she has a master's degree in psychology and a postgraduate certification in applied behavioral analysis and is a certified clinical trauma specialist. She also has over 20 years of experience in clinical, medical, nonprofit, and educational settings. Casey lives in the great state of Texas. That's where my husband's from. Did you say the great? It doesn't say that. No, I know, but that's where my husband's from. So shout out to oh, the great so state I, of Texas. Right. I guess it qualifies Once a Texan, great. always a Texan. Yeah. And I was told I could never be a Texan because I was not born there. Go, go um, Chiefs. Yeah. Okay, go. <laughs> <laughs> With her husband, who retired from the Air Force in 2020, after serving 26 years. Thank you both for your service. Yep. They have two children and two golden retrievers. And Casey enjoys exercising, baking, volunteering, and walking those golden retrievers. Yes. Do they do they walk you or do you yes. walk them? Well, definitely the older one. She's a little bit of a stubborn mule. So <laughs> she does a fair share of the navigating when we go on the walks for sure. That's funny. That's funny. I'm a little nervous that with her psychology background, she might be evaluating us as we go. <laughs> as we go today. But I can combat that. Yes. With my psychology background. It's going to so be like that episode neutral. of Seinfeld where she's writing notes and Elaine really wanted to see what her doctor yes, was writing that's down. That's a great episode. <laughs> she's only going to be writing about Tom, though. Yeah. So welcome, Casey. Thank it's you. an honor, honor to have you on our show. I hope you stay even after all this. Thank you for being with us. Yeah. To start the episode, I'd love for you just to give our audience a better understanding of, of the mission of Project Sanctuary. I know it's throughout your website. I saw it a few times, mm -hmm. that expression that when one person serves, the entire family serves. Yes. And it may not make sense to people that haven't walked a mile in those shoes, so to speak. Right. But what do you mean by that? And why is it so important to, to you and to Project Sanctuary that you support the military family as a whole? Great question and fundamental to our organization so yes, we believe when one person in the household serves, the whole family serves because there are sacrifices made by everyone in the household. We envision for our families that are military connected that every family will find healing, strength, and a, and a lifeline for hopeful future together. We believe that we are a leading provider of these therapeutic retreats, those therapeutic retreats that provide the ongoing support provided by CTRSs, which is a Certified Therapeutic Recreation Specialist, 
our licensed counselors, our facilitators, our slew of volunteers, and also additional Project Sanctuary staff. We are there for the reconnection and empowering of our military families because we really do serve the whole family component. And that includes everyone that does life together in the home every single day. So we really, our, our hope, our goal is that at the end of those six days, families do have the ability to reconnect and that we can propel them into a healthier future as they go about going back to their natural environment. Yep. Okay. Makes sense. Pull them out of the, the crazy of the day to day and let them just have a little time together. For sure. There was a uh, cool segment, probably, how long have you been with the organization? Three years. Okay. So like five years ago on the Today Show, right? Mm-hmm. We had... Heather Ely, Ely right? yes. she did a segment. It was so cool to see the Galloway family, right? Mm-hmm. That they were in Colorado experiencing one of these retreats. And, mm-hmm. and also the interesting thing about what they said about those retreats is that they, people from Project Sanctuary will follow them for a couple of years after they finish the retreat. But also tell me if this number is true. There's 2,200 families that are on a waiting list. For our retreats? Yeah. So we... And I'm going to say we, family support, we work tirelessly when we have a new application for a retreat come in. We like to make connection with the families within 24 hours. That way we can start really chipping away at those applications so we can serve more family and get them into retreats. We are making huge headway with dwindling down any type of wait list. I mean, I think it's because we're making more connections quickly, and we're able to serve these families and get them into the retreat that's closest to them as soon as we possibly can. So your typical year, if you had to ballpark the number, how many retreats do you have in a year? We try and we aim for at least 20 retreats per calendar year. Okay. That's a lot considering all the... It is. I can't imagine all the planning and logistics. logistics of that, yeah. Yes. Okay, so you have on your website a lot of caregiver resources out there. That that was pretty cool when we were perusing that. But mm-hmm. one thing that is so clear in the space of all organizations that help military families is that it isn't a competition. And right. Jody and I talk about this all the time, that the interconnectivity of all these nonprofits and the organizations, we talk about 45,000 nonprofits serving military. It's not about competition of who's going to get how much business. It's, are we there to help them when they need it? And bringing all those like-minded resources together to help as many people as possible. So share with our audience about Mm -hmm. the role of the caregiver and why that support is so critical to the well-being of the military family and the struggles that they face. So talk about the caregiver role. So the caregivers are typically the ones that reach out to us to start the dialogue. We often get the application straight from the caregivers because they're out perusing what resources are available for them and their families. We, we recognize that the caregivers are typically the ones that see the signs of battling mental illness, loneliness, depression, PTSD, withdrawal, and countless other signs and symptoms. We also recognize that the caregivers are the conduit for care and support for the military connected members. So we stand by our caregivers with offering support, referrals, peer-to-peer options, local support groups. It's amazing how many caregivers I 
or family support has connected to another caregiver in a completely different state. Because just by having conversations with them on the phone, there's similarities that ring in my ears. And I'm like, oh my goodness, we need to get these two individuals together. And the budding relationships that come out of those connections, it really gives them a chance to to feel hope and that they're not necessarily alone. Even though they may be in a, a rural area, they have at least one other person that they can reach out to that has a similar understanding. We recognize that these caregivers are heroic individuals who do the work behind the scenes. They carry the weight of the household raising children and ensuring the safety and security for their military loved ones. So we we spend a lot of time just rallying and offering support and listening and encouraging and and really pouring into them because it is a, it is a it is a job that is often unpaid and unrecognized but heavily needed. Yeah. Well, it's not only unpaid, but there's a price I think that they pay. Sure. Right? Yeah. Oh, of course. So, yeah. And and it's I think very difficult. It takes a certain kind of person, a certain kind of strength of character to fill mm-hmm. that role. And mm-hmm. so it's hard for them, I would imagine, to ask for help to begin with. Sure. We know it's hard for the service member that they're caring for to ask for help. So you must be making it easy and not uncomfortable for them to do that based on the numbers that are that are reaching out for. For, for sure. Help. Yeah. So well done. Well that done. that website for those caregiver resources is www.projectsanctuary.us. Yes. Right. Just we're yes. going to say that a few times today. Yep. Make sure people know how to find you and see what all the great stuff that's available. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And so I want to talk about the retreats. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> some of the places y'all go, <laughs> I want to go. Yeah. <laughs> I want to what sign, are some of those places, I want, Jody? To, I want to sign up for a retreat or three, but I want you to walk through the the makeup of that of that retreat weekend. What does it look like from the time they arrive to the time they depart? I know there's structure there. Yes. It's not just hey, show up for six days and and have a good time. You're intentional with what you're we, what you're doing with those families. So walk our audience through what that week looks like or that roughly week looks like. Yes. So you bring up a good point, and I'll just kind of toss this out there. We have retreats, six-day therapeutic retreats. We offer couples retreats only and family retreats. We have retreats in Washington State, Texas, Colorado, Georgia, and Maryland. Those are our five states that we're operating in right now. All of our retreats, whether they are couples in nature or family, they're all six days. They start on a Friday We typically have check-in between three and five, and they end on Wednesday morning after breakfast. The programming for the retreats includes the therapeutic activity and workshops. All of the programming starts on Saturday. Friday is just a day to come in, introduce yourselves, meet the staff, become familiar with the environment. The retreats are designed and executed by our rec therapist. So those CTRSs, which is just their shorter name. So they are designed by the CTRSs. We also have licensed professional counselors that are available for the families during that whole stint of the six days. Each day builds on the previous day. So our goal is to have a balance between the recreational activities, and the workshops. We understand that some of the topics are a little bit heavy in nature. And so we understand that we need to have 
integrated rec therapy um, as a way just to kind of decompress. So each workshop lasts for two hours. Topics that we typically discuss include relational reset. That's just really kind of going back to status quo of communicating with those that you do life with in your household. We also have counselor-led mental well-being and a journey towards overall improved mental health. And we have something that sets us apart, leaps and bounds, is at our family retreats, we have a youth and teen program that's going on simultaneously as our adults are in their workshops. Um, The workshops in the child and youth teen program, they mirror the adult workshop. So at the end of the day, when the families are done recreating together, doing the workshops, having their meals, they can go back and debrief the day and they'll see the intertwining of conversation and material that they've learned from that day. They'll see how it really does fit nicely like a puzzle. And that is by design so that these families are able to take back, back at the end of the day and then obviously back at home, um, the lessons that they've learned and hopefully incorporate them into daily living. Sounds like a good six days. Yeah. Yeah. Do you and and you limit it, don't you? To the I thought I heard I thought I read six to twelve families probably is the right intimate approach to making sure that you don't lose that connection, lose the productivity of those types of retreats. Is that right? Yeah. So we our our goal, our aim is to serve depending on which location. I'll speak to Granby, Colorado. We typically have twelve to thirteen families that will attend that retreat location itself. The beauty about the Colorado location is that we have space to really spread the families out just because the land is quite expansive. But we really do look at every number on an application so that when families come, we make sure that we have the staff and the capacity to serve the entire family, the children included. So we do weigh numbers as well just to make sure everyone's going to walk away having a truly wonderful experience. Should we get into storytelling time? Jody, because you've, you've been there, you said three years, so yes. I'm, I'm sure the stories have been probably a multitude of feel-good, heart-wrenching type stories about all the good work that you're doing, but sometimes those stories reveal the heart of the organization better than anything else that we can talk about during our 30, 35, 40 minutes here today. But mm-hmm. So go back to your memory bank mm-hmm. and see if any stories along the journey are something you want to share with our audience that probably have that kind of impact as people listen to you as well. For sure. And you're right. There are a multitude of stories and I'm actually, I wrote one down, but I'm going to pivot from speaking Ooh, about this story. It's a consulting term. We're going to get a pivot? good one. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> as I'm sitting here talking to you guys, it's really hard to pick out one story that has really impacted us as an organization, but I'll speak about one in particular We had an individual, I believe in 2020, maybe early 23, put in an application to attend a retreat. And we really do pride ourselves in having family and couples retreats. And this individual reached out, wanted to go as a single solo. We recognize that is not necessarily our target audience. We will work to provide them with external references and resources and referrals if needed. But she had said, I really want my my sibling to come with me. Fast forward, 
sibling dropped out and we just, we recognize the tenacity of this woman and her drive to go to this retreat. And we were very trepidatious because we, we know, right. We've seen, we've seen how, what the impact is when families, couples come and they do the life together in these workshops. Well, so fast forward, she went to the retreat, had a great retreat staff who really prompted her to come out of her shell. She had an outstanding retreat, made huge leaps and bounds of just being vulnerable, taking the time every day to do something uncomfortable. And that was a lot of interaction with our counselors. Our counselors were motivating her to, hey, let's go on a hike together. Hey, let's go have a conversation. Let's eat dinner together. And that really pushes someone that has some deep-seated trauma this individual went on to later come back and volunteer with our organization as a solid, solid volunteer. I routinely will email her to check in on her just because she holds a special place in my heart. All families do, but I will say this one in particular, just there's just that nudge. And I reached out to her a couple weeks ago and she had gone on to perform in a almost like a ballroom dancing competition and here she had come oh, wow. from nice. never never engaging didn't want to be touched didn't want to put herself out there to just this glowing beam of radiance and just man those are the stories that that's the success that's the proof in the pudding that when you invest and truly believe in the intention of our program and when you invest in it and have a goal, have a desire, like I'm going to go do this for the betterment of myself, what rewards you can reap. And I shared the story after she emailed me, I shared it to our whole team. And we all, you know, we all get emotional. We all do our little hoop and holler and hooray, because those are the success stories that we hear about and we want to share with others. That's awesome. It yeah. just val- validates, I'm sure, your why. And then to see yes. her come back and pay it For forward sure. and, and reinvest. Yeah, that's it's beautiful. It's beautiful. That's awesome. Oh, that is a good story. Yeah, no, yeah. I love, love that very much. Yes. I would be terrified to do ballroom dancing just as a side note. I know. <laughs> she, uh, the video is just phenomenal. It's just amazing. You can't hardly walk from point A to point B without yeah. a problem. I think I've said this on a podcast episode before, but you remember when, when you were a kid, did you ever do Fortnite? Not the Fortnite today that my wife and kids are obsessed with playing, but Fortnite with ballroom dancing training. And no. You never did that? No. No. Well, you didn't know the first time I asked you like 38 podcast episodes ago. So I thought maybe something would trigger that for you. I don't even know of this Fortnite. Where you have to wear these white gloves and you just do ballroom dancing with <laughs> no. that, can we can we edit this now? Should we take that out of this podcast? I'm nobody Google wants it. to know that. And do that. That'll be our next military minute. The original Fortnite circa yeah. <laughs> 1902. <laughs> so when I was young, yeah, 1902. Uh, we're having a full circle moment, McLean. I love it. Should we go back to you now? Do you have yes, a question? Yes, I do. So in support of the stories, there's all kinds of data on your website about the post-retreat results, how you guys kind of keep track quantitatively of how you know that things are are achieving the desired result. Can you can you talk our audience through that? And what are the what are the the gauges that you guys use to know that you're having the the right impact? Yes, great question. Something that we talk about often in our and within our staff and our development team. We 
kind of rolled out our validated surveys back in October of 2022, we felt like we had successfully gotten to a point where we had the the metrics to really provide the surveys to our families at the beginning and the end of the retreat. Not that there's a whole lot of difference retrospectively on day one, but we're seeing the impact as the retreat ends, they go back home, we survey them at three months, at six months. And that's really where we're getting our data is the the impact, the post-retreat impact surveys. Again, those are all validated. We've worked with some significant individuals to ensure that we're asking questions that are relative and relevant to what we're trying to just create a hefty, knowledgeable bank of information We don't look at that data in a silo. We have teams where we all come together and we look at the, we look at the impact. We look at the wrap up surveys. We look at the retrospective surveys and we really do tailor our program as a result of the data. If we ever feel like we need to look at programming, if we're maybe we're not meeting an objective or a goal we want to meet, we need to go back to the to the drawing table and look at, okay, what, what can we change? What can we add? What can we take away? The validated surveys aren't going to go anywhere though, because that is uh, fundamental to our program. We want to have that accountability in place. I love it. I'm, I'm a data kind of girl, so I, I know. love that. I you're, know. You're in the weeds with data I'm analysis. I'm a big fan of making decisions with data and not with my feelings. For so. sure. Kudos to you. The uh, volunteer aspect. I know a, a lot of your volunteers are veterans. And so what what guidance would you give folks that are listening about how to volunteer with you? And and also on the side note, is there a sign-up sheet if people want to go on a retreat? That there's a form out there on your website to do that? Great questions. I'll, I'll tackle the volunteer one and then I'll, I'll answer the additional question. Okay. So we recognize as an organization that we would not be successful if it was not for our volunteers. I would say at any typical family retreat, we can have between four to six volunteers that are eager to come and serve. We have a volunteer coordinator that is our one-stop shop. She's the one that ex- accepts the applications. She schedules the calls and answers any questions as they relate to volunteering. If there's an interest in volunteering, you can go to our website or you can email volunteers at projectsanctuary.us or go to our website, projectsanctuary.us backslash volunteer. And that will get you to our coordinator who will walk you through all the steps, really try to find a location and dates that work well with your schedule. Casey, is there a, so is there a vetting process then once they complete the, I don't know if there's any background checks or if yes. there's any volunteer form information that you take and say, okay, this is a perfect fit. Right. Great question. We do vet. We vet every volunteer that comes through. We do background checks. We just want to make sure and ensure that everyone coming to the retreat location is safe. So we do we do take some time. We do reference checks as well. Again, just to protect ourselves and everyone else that's there at the retreat. Very good, especially with kiddos. Yes. So it's like vet squared, right? Vet bets? Oh. <laughs> Made that up on the fly. Do you like that one? I do. <laughs> so, I'm just going like, to say I do. <laughs> so you drop it and move on. <laughs> <laughs> do, we, do we want to go back? The, so yeah. about, the, about the retreat form, right? There's something out there. Yes. So 
all the applications for retreats come to family support. So if there is an interest in attending a retreat, you'll go to the website, theprojectsanctuary.us. At the top, it will give you the option as to kind of what you're looking for. Are you looking for family support? Are you looking for a recreational retreat? And it will kind of prompt you through the process of signing up for a retreat. That will then give us the indicator we need to reach out. We need to start the dialogue of getting them scheduled for a retreat. So it's pretty seamless. It's very quick. As soon as an application comes through, we see it live time. So we're able to connect pretty much within 24 hours of that application coming in. This is why we do what we do, Jody, right? So we can inform and educate people about companies like Project Sanctuary. They go out and find the resources and support they need. So very much so. It just reinforces why we do this too. So thank you for that. We've talked about a bunch of the different resources on the website. I don't think we've hit on the mental health resources available. So I did want to give you a chance to highlight any of those that you make available on projectsanctuary.us. Yes. I told you we were going to mention that a few times, that website address. <laughs> so if you want to highlight any of those resources for the audience. Yes. So we we have to keep that list, that resource list up and up and running, ever evolving, ever changing. So we reference a slew of different mental health resources and avenues for individuals to go and explore. It's it's definitely not cookie cutter. Not every resource for mental health is going to be applicable for everyone. So we really do kind of keep it broad. We like to have those conversations with individuals that are seeking resources for mental health because we have that case management aspect. We really are able to dive in a little bit deeper and figure out what the needs are. Are individuals wanting assistance with mental health Are they wanting it virtually? Are they wanting it in person? Mm -hmm. Is there insurance involved? And what does that look like? And so while we offer a slew of resources about just mental health options, really the assistant comes um, when we have those conversations because we want to ensure that who we're referring individuals to, that maybe their trauma, trauma background, they're skilled in that, they're culturally competent in military matters, They're able to work with families that need their marriage to be salvaged. So we have some very intimate conversations before we direct them to specific organizations. Thank you for that. You so funding Mm -hmm. donations, what keeps you going? And I don't know if you have certain events during the year that you want to share that are maybe at certain calendar times, certain locations, or just ways that people can donate to support what you're doing. Sure. So you, want, you want to talk a little bit about that side of the house? Yes. So I have to give credit to our, our development team because we, Project Sanctuary, Family Support, and the development team, we really do work in tandem just to look at ways that we could apply for grants, reach out to funders. We understand the importance of being very transparent with our stakeholders. We're, we're always looking at what grants are, are new for the week so that we could potentially tap into um, some of the ways that we fundraise or try to get sponsorship is we have an annual Rocky Mountain Gas and Oil Poker Classic that's held in November. Jody's a big gambler. She might want to go to that. I'm not. I, would, <laughs> I have a terrible poker face. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm too competitive for that. <laughs> when, when, what time of the year is that? That is facing? in November. And then we also, in conjunction with that poker tournament, we have a radiothon also in Colorado with the local radio station. Those two events typically yield some pretty great revenue for, for our organization so that we can keep doing what we're doing. We have I don't believe we've settled on dates for 2024 yet. I think that's still in motion. We're also doing this year the Permian Basin Poker Tournament. That will be in Midland, Texas on March 28th of this year. All of those sponsorship opportunities are available um, at those events. And then we have active giving that you know individuals can go to our website and donate directly to our cause straight on our website. Well, I think congratulations are in order for the organization too, because correct me if I'm wrong, Casey, but 2024 Chick-fil-A Restaurants True Inspiration Awards grant recipient. Is that right? Yes. That's a mouthful. Yes. Kudos to you for that. That was um, unexpected. And ironically, the individuals that threw our name in the bucket are a graduate family from Project oh, nice. Sanctuary. So it's nice to see how things can come full circle. So yes, we were a recipient. That's awesome. You know, my daughters worked at Chick-fil-A. I at one point that. in their life. I did not know that. I eat at Chick-fil-A. You're a big fan of Chick-fil-A, right? Like the mac and cheese? I am. That's chicken. one of my daughter's go-to bring me lunch at school on game day because I'll Chick-fil-A. play better, oh, with that. which oh. may be a farce. But but, yeah. but, with, but with the lines they have, it probably takes three and a half hours to no, get No, they're there. very efficient. Really? The world could learn from Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. Very true. And the polite young people that work there. Yes. Love that. You and the organization have won wonderful awards, well-deserving accolades and recognition. It's awesome to see four stars on Charity Navigator. Mm-hmm. I think just an indicator of transparency, a well-run organization, grounded in integrity. I know we yeah. talked about that even in your in your introduction in your bio. Are there any that you would highlight where, as an organization, you receive those awards, you're thinking, you know what, this is this is a good indicator that we're doing things the right way? For sure. That's a great question. Just to kind of speak on the four-star rating, that the four-star rating shows that our focus is truly on ensuring that we have the best practices in place to run an effectively and efficiently nonprofit. That four-star rating helps us to exceed or meet best practices in the industry standard. I think also, if if you look at our particular nonprofit, just the partnerships that we have alone speak volumes about our organization and just the the fantastic work that we're doing. There's there's a high caliber, right, that's associated with several different military entities and organizations. So having achieved that four-star rating allows you to kind of work alongside and collaborate with some some great organizations. So that that definitely is a is a boost to have that rating for sure. Can we? Can we talk about Casey a little bit more? And yeah, this is when Tom might get weird, so I apologize. No, Casey. it's good. I'm going to connect the dots because you're oh, good at that too. Yeah. So my so my daughter mm-hmm. is in social work, right? She Ooh. went. She graduated from FGCU down in Fort Myers, Florida, and she's getting her master's in social work. Good for her. So you've got that bond. She's she's working at the Naples Senior Center in Florida to help nice. people within that difficult time of their aging life. Yes. And so she's learning a lot. I'm proud of her as a 24-year-old, almost 
<laughs> to do that kind of philanthropy. And even my older daughter, who's now a biology teacher at her alma mater high school. So nice. my wife did something right, raising two two beautiful girls well, that's awesome. down that road. So and I applaud her for Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can call me that. But so your most of your professional career has been in the areas of work, life services programs, writing information workshops for career transition and so how'd you know you wanted to study that? And maybe on a side note, do you have any specific advice you give my daughter as she pursues this career path? Yeah. Maybe yeah. what not to do or what to do really well? Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's so funny. When I started college, I was not ready. And that was in the 90s, right? Where I just thought, I don't know what I want to do. So I went to college and I didn't really know where my passions were going to lead me. I think I changed my major like four times in the first, <laughs> Me first year. Yeah. I knew I had a deep connection to help others flourish. I knew that that was something my parents both taught me was just by example. I grew up in a military town, none the wiser about the mission or objective of that military installation. Fast forward many years later, I met my husband at the grocery store ironically, I had come home for Christmas break in 1998, met this dapper young man in the checkout lane at the grocery store, realized he was military connected. And I think that was the first time where I was like, oh, wow. Okay. So they they do exist, these military men <laughs> that are here. So we, you know, we later got married and and I realized kind of firsthand about the military capabilities and the struggles connected to the commitment and the duty to serve. And we had been stationed. I mean, we, goodness, we've moved more than 15 times, I think, in our 24 years of marriage. Wow. But we we were um, fortunate enough to be in D.C. a couple of times. And just going to Walter Reed really was an eye-opener for me. I saw the injury and the depression and the struggle for hope and purpose. I saw loss of limbs. I saw loss of life. And so that really was a propelling moment for me to really plunge into the world of military connections. I wanted to engage to serve others. And I know that sounds so cliche because so many people say they want to serve others, but I wanted to make strides to change the path for so many of our mili military connected families. That was very, very, very raw for me. Uh, many of my friends did not want to get me started on the soapbox I had about military and veterans because I had extreme passion even in our early years of marriage. But nothing has changed. And I, and I tell Heather, our CEO, often, I'm like, the day that I change and the day that I become callous is the day I know I need to step away. Day you move, yeah, yeah you move on. You yes. get to that point. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that, you know, I I have had exposure to several different fields in social work, and all of them are deserving. I love serving the gerontology populations, one of my favorite age brackets. It's priceless. It's precious and priceless. And I love that stage of life. I also have worked with homeless high school students. I've worked with AIDS patients. I've worked with military families. And there's no, there's no wrong population when your heart is, is, is wanting to serve. Right now, I'm in this position, and I 
wouldn't change it for anything because I truly believe in the mission of serving military families. Now, you know, how you feel at the end of your day and say, well, how do I measure success? What did I do that was productive? And to have that kind of feeling that you probably have at the end of every day for the last couple of decades is probably pretty amazing. Yes. When I can look back and close my eyes and know that I had fruitful, productive conversations with people and maybe I planted a seed that would cultivate, that's, that's the difference maker. Pretty inspiring. You know, Casey wins the word of the day quiz that we had earlier today with gerontology. It's multisyllabic. <laughs> and, and now I'm going to throw that in front of my daughter and she's going she's gonna to spell it for me. Yes, yes. Casey, as we wind down, we've, we've covered a lot of ground and it has been a wonderful, I think, eye-opening conversation for us and hopefully for our audience. Are there, is there anything we have forgotten or not even known to ask about Project Sanctuary that you would want to highlight for our audience? And we definitely want to make sure we get the, the website in again, you've, you've projectsanctuary.us. You've said it uh, that's too many times. I know we've tried. All right. We've yeah. tried. Projectsanctuary.us. <laughs> yes. I think one of the things that we are recognizing as an organization that we, we want to be proactive. We want individuals that have questions about what services they are entitled to or what services are available, that they reach out to us to stay ahead of maybe the marital stress if they, you know, reach out to us if they're in need of financial education and resources. If, if there's questions about how can I eliminate debt or I don't want to be evicted, I think all of those questions will be very well received by any of us at Project Sanctuary. We, we want to be in the business of helping military families thrive and survive. And I just encourage anyone that has in it any military connected status. We don't we don't dictate service. So we don't say you have to be post 9-11. We accept all eras. We do guard, reserve, space force. We do it all. We serve all. We are all inclusive. And I just want to make sure that our message is getting out there that we are in the business of helping before, during, and after whatever that looks like for our families. You know, we're, that was well said. You are the poster child brand ambassador of Project Sanctuary. I know Heather's proud of you, and our audience is going to learn a lot from what you've shared with us today, too. So thanks for taking the time to do that. Thank you. I've enjoyed my time. You also write, I'm going to say this plural, you write blogs, or have you written one blog about the government shutdown? We have written, a, I think we've done a, a couple just the last one we did just preemptively in case it came to that. I don't know if that one was published just to say, hey, if it happens, here's what you do. But we have done. We did one a couple of years ago as well. Can I put a plug in for Armed Forces Bank to be part of a resource that's available for sure. down the road? If it ever comes down to that, I know you've got a, you've certainly got the great organizations like Army Emergency Relief and Air Force Relief and different aid societies that are part of the military population. But Certainly, as you list USA, Navy Federal, and others out there, that we would welcome the opportunity to be a resource for people too. Perfect. Well, thank working you. Working together like that. Perfect. Brilliant. Is it time? It is. And so, Casey, if you have just a couple more minutes, we'd invite you to stay and play Military Minute with us. We are not going to put you on the spot, so not a source of of stress or anxiety. Okay. Um, (laughs) It is our Military Minute trivia game. Last episode, 
Our question for our audience was, who is the most famous author of children's books with over 300 million copies sold? And so Casey can answer that you question. You can answer right? this one if you want. Do you, you know who guess. it is? Is it Dr. Seuss? That would be the right in answer a, in, under normal circumstances. In a heartbeat, I would have guessed I that. I would have guessed it. And it is not right. Theodore without an E is how you spell Theodore so, Seuss. Well, so the actual answer for our audience, if you guess, if you guessed or just randomly put this, kudos to you. I don't even know how to say it. It's like Ronald without an N. Right. It's Roald hey, Dahl. Sure, is it Roald or Roald? She knows that him. was your second guess, wasn't <laughs> it? It was not. It was not until you said that. My second was going to be Shel Silverstein. Ah, ah, yes, yeah. That was number three. That was number three. <laughs> she yes. had way more guesses than I did. I'm just going to put that. I would have stopped at Cat in the Hat, Doctor Suit. Just <laughs> and she knew how to pronounce it. I'm yeah. I'm Ronald without an N. Yeah. Uh, so if you if you answered that when we dropped our our last podcast. Watch for your name to hit our social media to know if you have won $50 for yourself and $50 for a charity of your choice. You might want to think about Project Sanctuary as the place to drop that $50. Yes. ProjectSanctuary.us. There it is again. There it is. Nine. And so this week's Military Minute, this one you can't answer, Casey. Okay. Who was the... Wait, wait. It's, do you want to say it's a question about something or do you want to just leave it's that? It's a question the, about baking. Yeah, not banking, but baking, right? Baking. That's one Banking her, without the end, like Ronald without the end. <laughs> See what I did there? But that's Casey with a Y in between there, uh, right? So yeah. it's about baking, of which I know not much. Who was the second most famous woman in America, followed by First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt? Nobody answered. Good job not answering. I should have put, like, this question should have had a year on it, This right? is a weird question. I'm going to give you credit for weirdness. So You came up with it this time, didn't you? <laughs> no, I didn't. All right. So when this podcast drops, if you know the answer to who was the second most face famous woman related to baking, I suppose, followed by <laughs> First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt. I like it. Drop that name, and you also could be eligible to win $50 for yourself or $50 for a charity of your choice. And I would just like to say thank you again, Casey, for spending time with us. God bless you and your heart for service, your heart for military families. It comes through in everything that you say. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Loved it. If you enjoyed today's episode as much as Casey and Jody did, go out to <laughs> afbank.com and subscribe to the show. Also, make sure to rate us or leave us a comment, preferably favorable, about Jody for the first time on your favorite <laughs> podcast platform such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. So we are, we're out there. So spread the word around your circles of influence, too, about other organizations that, that are helping our military families and our veterans. Well done. Perfect. Yay. Thank you both so much. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much. Copyright Armed Forces Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender, all non-Armed Forces Bank-owned apps, websites, company names, and product names are trademarks or registered trademarks of their respective owners. Their mention does not imply any affiliation with or endorsement by Armed Forces Bank of them or their products and services. They are merely used as examples of the many available apps, companies, and websites that offer similar services. Before using any app or website, you should carefully review the terms of use, data collection, and privacy policy. Apps may have an initial cost or in-application purchase features. This information is general in nature and is not intended to be legal, tax, or financial advice. Although Armed Forces Bank believes this information to be accurate, it cannot ensure that it could change. Statements or opinions of individuals referenced here are their own, not Armed Forces Bank. Consult an appropriate professional concerning your specific situation and respective governing bodies for applicable laws, such as IRS.gov for current tax law. Armed Forces Bank, the Armed Forces Bank logo, and the Militarily Speaking logo are registered trademarks of Armed Forces Bank.